This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. David Eichholz, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 Sports. With our full season preview podcast, Sean, our game-by-game predictions we posted the other day. And safe to say, people are happy with the results of it. But there's a lot of toss-up games. There's going to be a lot of interesting factoids going into this season. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the wide receiver room here in just a minute. But, Sean, it's, it's finally game week, dude. Feels like it's just been dragging on and on but it's nice to actually have some substance to talk about yeah i talked about this on the uh, south dakota state podcast i did um and i was like man like i had like a couple more things planned in terms of preseason content but before i knew it like it was the regular season like it's game week and you know this is uh yeah this is the kind of the week that we've been looking forward to the most and it's finally here this is when things really uh start really getting down to it and we can finally go off something to analyze instead of one practice or stuff that we've kind of heard, you know, through the grapevine. Yeah. Enough of overanalyzing photo galleries. Thank God. Uh, Yeah. Everybody looks faster. Everybody looks stronger. Everybody looks better. Right. From all the photo galleries, but Sean, let's just start from the very top. Let's do an overview of our, of our predictions and then we can just go game by game. But like I mentioned earlier, we posted, our predictions, I believe, Sean, you ended up at nine and three, didn't you? I just want to make sure I have it right. Yeah, I was at nine and three, but I was back and forth between that and ten and two. Yeah, I I was as well, but I do have Iowa going ten and two, uh, and it's it's kind of interesting how they get there and in the bowl game. I mean, I think everybody would sign up for an Orange Bowl right now, and. I mean, as much as people don't want to go back to, you know, maybe the Outback Bowl, which is now the Rely Quest Bowl. We don't want to talk about the Rely Quest Bowl. I don't like that uh, horrible name, but that's obviously going to be a possibility as well. So, Sean, let's just start from the very top. I mean, we'll, we'll dive into each game a little bit and kind of our overview of the game and, and why we think the way we do. Uh, and if you people are looking for the full South Coast State preview podcast, Sean did one. Uh, just record today. It's going to be posted tomorrow morning. It's about 25, 26 minutes long. That'll give you a full breakdown of South Dakota State. So thanks, Sean, for doing that. But, Sean, let's start at the very top, man. Uh, South Dakota State, Iowa. Again, I don't know why Iowa continues to schedule FCS opponents. I think they would have learned a little while ago, but, you know, it's not the case. South Dakota State is no fluke. And just talking to the players yesterday, Sean, they seem really locked in and North Dakota State's been a name that's been around the facility just as a reminder to say, hey, these are legit players. Just because they're FCS doesn't mean they're any slouches. And South Dakota State certainly 
has a lot to be proud of with the tradition they have up there. Yeah, they uh, it's definitely going to be one that I think a lot of people will say, hey, we don't want to underestimate it, but you have to remember that I think Iowa, from a depth standpoint, from a talent standpoint, I mean, depending on multiple, multiple other spots, I think you could go either way at the tight end spot. I think Tucker Craft, that probably is going to be the best tight end that Iowa faces all year. Um, they have a couple good wide receivers. The running back, Isaiah Davis, could be a future NFL guy. They have a couple guys on the offensive line, too. A couple maybe, you know, potential UDFAs on the defensive line. There's a lot of talent on that field for South Dakota State. And obviously, it's a team game when it comes to football. you got to have 11 guys working and being in sync. And I think that's what it's going to come down to at the end of the day. But, yeah, I mean, you you heard players yesterday talking about how they're really not taking this game for granted. Obviously, mentioning North Dakota State in 2016. and other games, other times where FCS opponents have really given Iowa a lot of trouble and, you know, not even just Iowa, just other teams in general. So, yeah, this is a game that it's the beginning of the year. I think season opener, I think this is really the right time if you're Iowa to play South Dakota State because it is the season opener. Now, the one caveat with that is nobody's going to be perfect in week one. No one is going to be on top of everything. Nothing's going to be you know, how it should be towards the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I could see this game being a 21-14, 21-10 fourth quarter type game. And then Iowa maybe scores a touchdown or two to put this game away. But I, I, I do think Iowa wins this game pretty, like, not handily, but I do think they win it pretty respectively. But I also could see where – a lot of people are like, all right, maybe this game isn't going to be as a lot of people are making it out to be. Yeah, I think Iowa, first of all, I think they need control line of scrimmage. And I think they have a yeah. distinct advantage on both lines. I think that's what it's going to come down to. And right now, Sean, there's a lot of question marks. If, is Iowa even going to have more than two scholarship wide receivers available for this game? I mean, yeah, Keegan Johnson's been practicing, but there is, you know, just between the grapevine and talking to people, there is a chance that he doesn't play on Saturday. Those hamstrings are very, very tricky issues. So, you know, Arlen Bruce might have to carry a big load. Who knows how Jacob Bostek's going to be? I mean, he might have to get some legitimate time uh, given the depth. And we'll see what happens with Brody Brecht. I wouldn't hold my breath just because he hasn't really gotten enough work in camps to really do anything. But, you know, you never know. So I have Iowa winning this game. I think I put yesterday 34-10. I think Iowa's defense is just going to be too good. I think they're too locked in. Yeah, South Coast State's got some talent at receiver, at quarterback, but the linebackers, Riley Moss, I think Lucas Van Ness could be in for an absolute field day from a pass rush perspective. But South Coast State quarterback's got some wheels, but I think Iowa's not really worried about containing it. I got 34-10. It won't surprise me if Iowa – runs the ball 45, 50 times in this game, really just depending on how healthy the, you know, the wide receivers are. And Kirk did say yesterday, there is a good chance that you see a, uh, at least one of the freshmen, if not two uh, freshman backs, which would be really interesting to sort of see that. Uh, but going on to week two, Sean, Cyhawk Cy week in Iowa city for the first time since 2018 I have my opinions about this game. It's not very popular among the, you know, I don't think it's going to be that close, but give me, give me your rationale about Iowa, Iowa State. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's as much hype going into this game as there was last year. I think that game is going to be 
tough to mimic um, in terms of preseason hype and just leading up to the game. I do think Iowa State could surprise some people in the Big 12 this year. I think Hunter Deckers might be the real deal, maybe not this year, but I think with some of the guys around him, there's potential for him to grow. I think the offensive line for Iowa State might be a question mark running back with Jarrell Brock. Obviously, it's not easy to replace a guy like Brees Hall, but I think from a matchup perspective, this really bodes in favor of Iowa. I like the matchup in favor of Iowa State last year with the type of guys that they had. And obviously Brock Purdy couldn't live up to the expectations last year against Iowa. Um, but I, I think Iowa's got this one probably by a touchdown or two, maybe 10 points or more, just because I think the matchup, the experience, and I think the defense is going to be really key for Iowa and really halting that Iowa State offensive line because there, there are some spots where they're experienced, but Iowa State from a perspective, if you're putting them in the Big Ten, that offensive line wouldn't really be able to hold up as much as an Iowa offensive line or, I mean, an Iowa's defensive yeah. line, we've talked about too, how good they are and, you know, how deep they are. And I think, I think the talent with the front four, the first four is going to be key, but I think the depth that you have is going to be what makes the difference in these types of games, because Iowa can really dominate with those first four guys, but then they can throw four or five more guys in that can really make an impact too. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I think Iowa is just more talented. I think they have more proven talent because I think you look at last year, I think Iowa State had a lot of talent. I just don't think they were able to piece it together. Uh, but you look at Iowa, you got Sam Laporta. I mean, Iowa's going to tight end battle. I think offensive line is probably a hit or miss. You know, you can go either way on that. I think Iowa's defensive line as a whole is stronger. I mean, Will McDonald, obviously, is going to be a first-team All-American, maybe second-team All-American, a lot of talent. But – this is the first time the game's in Iowa City since 2018. Fans are going to be fired up. And right now, Sean, it's as much of a mental game for Iowa State as it is on the football field as far as being Iowa. And I really think that plays a big factor. Iowa does not beat themselves against Iowa State. They don't turn the ball over, and they make enough plays to win. And Iowa State continues to shoot itself in the foot. I think you look at last year, Hunter Decker's 11-16 against Iowa when he came in during garbage time. I think Iowa State fans are optimistic because of what they saw. But it's also a big difference when you're going up against Iowa's twos and Iowa's playing prevent defense and you're taking the underneath route. Again, that's the right football play from Decker's perspective, but Iowa's not going to be giving that up in the full game against Iowa State when Decker's is really getting that sort of action. This will be the first hostile environment he really plays. And he's from the state. He understands the rivalry. I think Iowa's just better. I don't think it's particularly close. I think I had... Going back to my notes, I have 27 to 13 Iowa wins. I just think the Iowa defense is going to be able to hold up strong, and I think Iowa is going to find a way to put up enough points. And it will be interesting to see if Keegan Johnson, again, we'll see what happens then this week, but if he's going to be able to come back strong against Iowa State because we know Nika Regani is not going to be healthy uh, for that game from Kirk Ferentz. So I got Iowa starting off 2-0. and uh, And again, because it's in Iowa City, it's a big reason why I, I think Iowa just ends up I don't want to say running away with it, but they control the game. But, Sean, going on to Iowa-Nevada, which is under the lights for some reason in week three, I think it's a good scheduled game just after an emotional win over Iowa State. Again, I'm going emotional win just based off my predictions. Uh, but it's going to be under the lights. Fan base will be excited. It'll be the kind of first, I guess, the last non-conference test before Iowa dives into conference play. Uh, I'll let you give your analysis, but I think you and I are both kind of in conclusion. It's not going to be close. 
Yeah, I don't think Nevada is going to be able to compete with many of the Power Five teams that they play this year. Um, but I, yeah, I think this game will be no different. They have a lot of holes. I think their running back position is going to be a strength for them if the offensive line can hold up for Nevada. Um, they have a new quarterback in Shane Illingworth from Oklahoma State who wants to bomb it, and that's what Nevada is going to do. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to stick with uh, – I think Iowa wins this one pretty handily, and I think there's potential to maybe see some more of these freshmen or some more of the younger guys uh, make a bigger impact in this game towards the second half. You know, you don't you don't want to let anything up. Colorado State game is a prime example of that. You yep. never want to let up, but – I think this Iowa team should should take care of business fairly easily. I have Iowa winning thirty five to ten, but I could see that being forty five. Um, I don't I don't want to say fifty burger, but I think forties is a is a reasonable reasonable point total for Iowa. Yeah, I mean, again, I think this is a game where Lucas Van Ness could dominate if he starts at the edge. Sean, I have him getting two and a half sacks in the game. I have Iowa winning 41-10. I think this is a game where if you really want to get Spencer Petras and that passing offense confidence, I think they need to take full advantage of the opportunity. Obviously, they're going to start off on the ground, but I really want to see Iowa get back down to utilizing the play action. I feel like every time we've seen them have a big passing play, it's because they use the play action. Think about Mississippi State a few years ago. They weren't running the ball well, but that set up Nick Easley's long touchdown. You think about the Penn State final touchdown last year, which ultimately gave Iowa the win to Nico Regani. That was off a play action rollout, right? I like to see Iowa really put that back to the test as well. I have Iowa winning 41 to 10. Should not be that close. Okay, September 24th at Rutgers. Uh, I'm very impressed with what Greg Schiano's done. Just from my quick analysis, Sean, Rutgers' offense is not good. It was it was comparable to Iowa's numbers wise last year. And if you have an an offense of Iowa's caliber going up against an Iowa caliber defense, they aren't going to score that many points in that game. Uh, I have Iowa winning twenty four to ten. That's typically that's only because Iowa Rutgers is typically just a grind fest. Almost only a game a mother could love. To be completely honest with you, Sean, it's just not pretty. I could see Rutgers being held to a field goal in this game and Iowa putting up 17-3. I really could, but I do think Iowa goes in New Jersey. I think they walk away with a win. It's not going to be a trap game because it's going to be the first Big Ten game of the season. Yeah, I I kind of have the mindset of it being maybe a little bit of a trap game just because it's Rutgers, almost comparable to Northwestern in terms of being able to get up for a game like that. But I, yeah, I see it as a way where I don't really see Iowa losing this game. I have a hard time seeing them lose this game. I, I do think it could be a grinded out fest a little bit. I do think whoever controls the line scrimmage is going to be the winner, but I have a hard time seeing it not be Iowa in this case. I think Rutgers can improve, but I do think Iowa is going to be too, too much to handle in, in certain spots. Let's go to the first real fun test of the season outside of Iowa State, of course, but I'm talking Big Ten. October 1st, Michigan at Iowa. I think a game Iowa players have want, want big, big revenge on. I think it's a game that Iowa fans are looking forward to. I'm curious what the time slot's going to be like. I'm sort of hearing, Sean, that it's going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff, which I think would be a big letdown for people just because Kinnick under the lights, what Iowa typically does against teams under the lights. 
I'll let you give your take first because this this is going to be, I think, one of the more intriguing games of of the Iowa season for sure. If maybe even the Big Ten, Sean. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think it's going to be one of those games where, like I said before, with with uh with Rutgers I I have a hard time seeing any team score more than 20 points now I do think Michigan on offense is more talented in some spots than they were last year defensively not as much I mean it's gonna be hard to replace some of those guys that they had but you know it's it's one of those games where I honestly could see it going either way and you mentioned it too I think I think it is a little bit of a or it is a big disappointment if it's 11 a.m cake because this game, assuming that both teams are going undefeated into it, would be prime for that seven, you know, o'clock time slot, six thirty yeah. time slot. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be eleven a.m. And again, that's just based off a couple rumblings I'm hearing, but nothing set in stone. And I mean, obviously, it'd be a good opportunity for Iowa because if it's eleven a.m., Sean, it's gonna be on Fox. Yeah, this game intrigues me, Sean. Um, like I said, I think a lot of Iowa players want revenge on Michigan. I think they're embarrassed about what happened and. I think the big separator from last year, obviously there was a couple of game breaking plays that really blew the game open, but it was Michigan's pass rush and Aiden Hutchinson. It was David Ojabo and it was what they did to the Iowa offense. Have Iowa winning this game. I think 23, 20 Iowa is five and one in the last six games against top five opponents inside Kinnick stadium. I think that plays a factor. I think this is Michigan's first true test of the season. This is their first road game of the season. And I also think that's a big, big deal. Basically, it sets up it sets up for an Iowa win. Now, again, it's going to come down to can Iowa's offense execute and can the Iowa's defense, you know, be what we think they're going to be. They still have Blake Corum. They still have Caden McNamara. They still have J.J. McCarthy, who I think is a very, very good, going to be a very, very good quarterback. And they're going to be strong up front. But again, I think this is a game where if you talk about this game will basically dictate to me, Sean, if Iowa's going to have a special season or if they're going to have an eight or nine win season or like an eight win season. I think they have to win this game if they want to have a 10 win season. I think this is going to be a very, very critical juncture if Iowa has a shot. I don't want to say making the Big Ten championship because that's a little bit over dramatic because they're not in the same division, but it's a detail between a very good season and a special season. Rose Bowl versus Orange Bowl versus Real Quist Bowl. That might be what this game determines. I mean, I I have a hard time seeing Iowa making it to the Rose Bowl. You know, I could be wrong on that, but I have a feeling that the two yeah. Big Ten West or Big Ten East teams are going to have a better shot at that. Michigan probably being one of them, along with Penn State, maybe, maybe even Michigan State, depending on who you ask. But you, I, I think you bring up a good point. This. This game will have a big decider on how special Iowa's season is going to be, and it could be that momentum, too, that we see. But it could also be a potential – I mean, I know people will hate me for this, but if you win this game, you can't you can't go flat going into Illinois. Yeah. Because yep. 
last year, the Penn State 6-0, Purdue comes to town, riding high, but you fall flat. And not saying Illinois – Purdue was a more talented offensive team last year, but Illinois is a team that with a similar play style to Iowa that could – I mean, they have an experienced offensive line. That could be one that really teams Iowa's defensive line. Um but I mean, the Michigan game could be one where that that is a very vocal. That is a very I I like that I like that take, Dave, where you said it's uh where you could be a real decider of where things go, and I think that's a good transition to Illinois as well. Yeah, for sure. So just to recap, right now I have Iowa at five and zero. Sean, you have them at four and one because you have them losing Michigan, correct? Yeah, correct. I had Michigan um, winning thirteen to ten. Okay, I have I, I have Iowa winning 23-20. Not on a game-winning field goal or anything. I, I think Michigan will get a final shot. I think Iowa just comes up with a defensive defensive stand. So, like I said, going into Illinois, you can't fall flat. And remember, I believe, Sean, Brett Bielema is his first time coaching against Iowa at, at Illinois because he missed last year due to COVID protocols, correct? Yeah, that is, that is correct. So, I'm – very intrigued by this game because Illinois, first of all, I thought they looked really good against Wyoming. Obviously, it was Wyoming, but they ran the ball really, really well. I thought Tommy DeVito was pretty reliable. I thought their defense was physical, and they're replacing a lot of pieces. But I thought they put together a good game plan there. But you talk about Iowa-Illinois, Sean. Iowa's come out almost hungover in a couple of those games because over the last couple of years. Like, Iowa starts out flat, and then it takes one big play to really – spark them back to life i think charlie jones had the big return last year which really set them up and really turned the game around so this is no gimme game and this is a game that brett bielema is definitely going to want to win but i think i i'm just expecting iowa sean in general i know we'll get to the overview after a big reason why i'm predicting iowa the record they are i think iowa's running games can be so much better than it was last year much more consistent with all due respect to tyler goodson and what he did this is going to be less explosive, but more reliable and more and just more dependent. So I think Iowa's going to be able to run the ball with pretty good success against Illinois. I have Iowa winning 31-17. And when you look at Iowa's defensive front, you look at the linebacker core, and I look at Illinois' game, which is primarily centered around the run. Right now, Sean, I have a hard time seeing Illinois being able to run on Iowa. I, I just I can't see it. Maybe that changes, but with the linebacking core and with the big defensive tackles in the middle for Iowa. I just don't know how Illinois could be able to move the ball down the field consistently against them. See, I think I'm a little more optimistic about Illinois run game with the experienced offensive line they have coming back, especially at the tackle spots and a few spots on the interior as well. I think Chase Brown is one of the more underrated running backs in the big 10 and I think, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I do think I do think Illinois will be able to move the chains at times with the running, you know, here or there with the pass better than it was last year. I think Danny DeVito, while it was it was a uh, Wyoming team that – Tommy to DeVito, play. not Danny DeVito, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Tommy <laughs> DeVito. Um, did I say Danny? You said Danny. I could have sworn I said Tommy. <laughs> whatever that's um, funny go for it sorry um Tommy DeVito being more of a seems like a capable passer more in rhythm as a passer than Brandon Peters was and this offense just looked more more in sync I mean maybe that's with their new offensive coordinator I do think their new defensive coordinator 
Um, Ryan Walters, there's a lot of excitement about him and what he can, what he can bring to this program. And I, I think it'll be another grinded out game, but I th- <clears throat> similar to last year, but I think Iowa comes up with that big play again, whether that be a pick six, a long touchdown, um, a big run, something along those lines that really breaks the game open and really turns that momentum because I think this one could be pretty close through halftime. And then, like I said, I mean, Iowa finds a way to, to break the seal and, you know, make, make a run. So I have Iowa winning 27 to 17. And was that the same score as last year? I will need to double check that really quick. I, it it was 33, 23. It was a 10 point game. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I was seven points off both ways. But no, I mean, I'm with you, Sean. It it wasn't to discredit Illinois' running attack. That wasn't my intention because I do think they have a reliable attack. I think they got some good weapons. I think Chase Brown's a stud. I think he's been a stud for a couple of years. But I I just have that much faith in Iowa's defense, and I have faith that Illinois is not going to be able to out-physical. They're not going to out-Iowa, Iowa. There's one team that can do that in the Big Ten, and that's Wisconsin. That's just – that's the way I see it. So, again, I have Iowa winning – 31-17, 31-17, and Iowa 6-0 going into bye week. And you have them at 5-1 going into bye week, which sets up for the season changer, at least to me. Obviously, the Michigan one was there, but you talk about all-time ranking in Iowa history as far as what they could accomplish. This is the game that sets it up. It's going to be Iowa at Ohio State. Iowa, I don't think, has been at Ohio State since 2013. Uh, the last time Iowa played Ohio State, it was 55-24 inside Kinnick Stadium, and that really ruined Ohio State's playoff chances. Sean, look, I know people say some of my opinions are with gold-tinted glasses. I got that last year, but I still picked Iowa's record. Anyway, you can't say that about this game. With all due respect to Iowa's program, where they built, this is a revenge season for Ohio State. I think they have the best three-headed monster in the country. C.J. Stroud's a stud. Uh, Jackson Smith in the Jigba is an absolute freak. And I go back to his performance last year, I believe it was in the Rose Bowl, Sean, where he had like 353 yards or something. And that was more than every one of Iowa's wide receivers not named Keegan Johnson. In that one game, he had more yards than every Iowa wide receiver for the season. It, it's just ridiculous. And then they have Trayvon Henderson, who I think is the nation's most undervalued and underrated player, 19 touchdowns last year but he's mentioned third or fourth when you talk about this Ohio State offense. Big opportunity for Iowa. I put Ohio State 41-20. I think they win by three touchdowns flat out. Uh, it wins yeah. me if it was by more. Ohio State revenge season. The only flack that I got from this game is not putting enough points in favor of Ohio State. And the one way that I could see Iowa maybe making this a game is if the passing attack gets going, if Ohio State's secondary is not up to par along with some of the linebackers. But I think if this, like I said, that's why I said in my in my prediction, I said if this game was in September, maybe I could see Iowa making this a single-digit game and interesting. But I think with the way Ohio State's team looks and with the talent they have coming back, and you mentioned that, that Rose Bowl game by uh, Smith and Jigba, that is going to be, yeah, it's going to be Ohio State should win this one pretty pretty handily. They should win the Big Ten pretty handily unless Michigan comes out of somewhere and, you know, like last year and proves everyone wrong again. So I have Ohio State winning 28 to 10, but I could see it being 35, 
you know, 14 or 40 to yeah. 15 or whatever. Yeah. No, it's, it's revenge short for Ohio state. Um, which sets up, I think if you talk about a game, Iowa has to bounce back from, cause you think about 2021, Sean, right? Iowa starts off, as you mentioned, they beat Penn state. They start off, I believe six and zero. they drop back to back games. If Iowa is going to the Big Ten West, they cannot drop back-to-back games, even if even if one of them is against Ohio State. So we go to October 29th versus Northwestern. Now it's at Kinnick Stadium, and it's the first home game since the Michigan game. I'll tell you, Sean, Northwestern impressed me against Nebraska and Ireland. Pat Fitzgerald, now I thought there were some bad coaching decisions. I think playing conservative when they got down the goal line. I mean, in the red zone, they you know settled – on third down just to try to get a field goal attempt, converted one of them. But Ryan Holinsky, I thought, was a very smart quarterback. Now, they didn't take a lot many shots down the field, but he was picking them apart with the underneath routes. Northwestern had a one-two punch at running back that I thought looked good. I thought their line improved. Now, Northwestern's secondary frightens me because they are incredibly soft coverage. I thought Nebraska could have gotten, you know, taken more shots down the field, but there was a lot of critical drops, but – I don't think Northwestern, maybe they're not a bowl team this year, Sean, but this is not going to be a pushover game for Iowa, and it's going to be very interesting to see how Iowa responds. I think this is going to be one of the closer games that Iowa has this season, and you talk about two coaches that know how to win close games, exact opposite of Scott Frost. It's going to be Pat Fischel and Kirk Ferentz, and that's why Iowa won games last year. I have Iowa winning 23-20. I don't think it's a quite a coin flip game, Sean. I think Iowa should be expected to win this game, but Northwestern just has a way about them to make these sort of games absolutely pesky. Yeah, and if this game was at Ryan Field at 11 a.m., I would be pretty nervous about it with how tall that grass gets on on game days, especially when it's pretty uh, pretty cold outside. So, yeah, I, I went with Iowa by three points. I think a field, it comes down to a field goal. And I feel a lot better about this Northwestern team after that Nebraska game too. And why, why, why couldn't you, or you should, because I mean, it it does make a huge difference when it, when you have a quarterback that one gets time in the pocket two is able to complete passes at a high rate because that just opens up so many things with the offense and Northwestern's not supposed to be a pass heavy team or a team that thrives with throwing the football. It's supposed to be a team that establishes the run and, looks to get things going that way. And, you know, that some some you would say both were working against Nebraska, but against Iowa, I think that's going to be a little tougher to do. But I could see a case where, yeah, this game is going to be a lot similar to last year. But last year it never really felt like Northwestern was going to win that game. Yeah, I'm with you. Except it was so close. But I think this Northwestern team will be able to move the, the ball down the field a little bit better this year. But – I think Iowa finds a way to uh, get the job done. I'm with you on that. So just to recap, I have Iowa right now 7-1, and you have them at 6-2, which brings up the most hated rivalry, the legendary Big Ten rivalry, Sean, of Iowa versus Purdue, which I think is a game that – you talk about a game that Iowa fans want to win the most as far as Big Ten West, maybe outside Wisconsin, Sean. Like, it might be Purdue. I mean, we've heard this has been boiling over for the last several months, whether it be on the recruiting trail, whether it be Charlie Jones's untimely departure, whether it be Tyrone Tracy going there. There's a lot of disdain right now between the Purdue and Iowa programs, Sean, and nobody's going to say anything to really 
give them bulletin board material, but I think you and I both know that Iowa wants to win this game badly. All not all games are not created equal. Iowa wants to win this game badly. There's no David Bell. And I'm intrigued about how this Purdue team's gonna look. I think they could I could see them, you know, being a sneaky pick in the West. I could see them struggling to get bowl eligibility. I think David Bell and George Karloftis really carried that team at times last year. And Aiden O'Connell's the best quarterback in the Big Ten West. But is Charlie Jones capable of being that number one receiver for Purdue? I mean, that's going to be his responsibility. And if, if so, I trust Iowa secondary to really prioritize locking down Charlie Jones because they're not going to let one of their former teammates beat him. So I know I've said this before, my lock of the year is Iowa being Purdue. I just, I really think that they're going to make it a mission to just find a way to beat them. And if Iowa's up 30, just I hypothetically, if they're up 30, Sean, and they're, they're at the goal line, or in the red zone, two minutes left. I was not running out the clock. They are going to try a score. I mean, that's that's where I think this level of disdain is right now. But again, I have Iowa winning. Let me make sure I pull this up. I have Iowa winning 34-27. Purdue will somehow score because that's what Purdue does. But I don't think Purdue's defense is going to be as good as it was last season. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you on that. I think this game is going to be, yeah probably one of the more emotional games of the year. And it's going to come at an important stress. I mean, I talked about this on throughout the article and I believe somewhere else that I didn't realize how difficult this stretch, this stretch of games is going to be. You have, you have Ohio state, you have Northwestern who you had trouble with as what you have Purdue at Purdue, who you've had a lot of trouble with. You have Wisconsin who has been Wisconsin. You have Minnesota who, while you've had a lot of success against, they're not going to make it easy. They're a pretty talented team. Then you have Nebraska, who, while no one really knows how that Nebraska team is going to, you know, what what the status of this team or program is going to be in, you know, even maybe a month Yeah. Um, to close out the year. They always play you tough. So that is an absolutely brutal stretch. And I have Iowa winning this one, too. I think you mentioned the air attack. I think Nebraska is going to – or, I mean, Purdue is going to get – a couple of uh, things through the air. Their run game still seems to be non-existent, but I think Iowa finds a way to pull it out. I think Phil Parker kind of figures things, or I shouldn't say figure things out, but I think this is the one where Iowa kind of comes together in terms of you know being able to scheme the right way for Purdue because yeah. it seems like they're almost due, or Phil Parker's almost due to have a big game against Purdue. Don't don't you agree? I think so. I mean, he's too much of a competitor and he's way too smart to continue to get out schemed by Jeff Brom. Yeah. I mean, this just, and he's, I mean, I've argued he's probably one of the more undervalued coordinators on a national landscape just because of his age. But you talk about, it's amazing to me, Sean, that he has not won a coordinator of the year award while at Iowa. It, It really is. But I'm with you. I think Iowa figures out, which leads us to Wisconsin at Iowa. And, of course, this will be the most physical game of the Big Ten Conference all season long. It's going to be ugly, and Big Ten fans are going to love it. 
And I'm going off Scott Dockerman's article for this, just because I know he's really in tune with a lot of the stuff he does predict that's going to be a 6.30 kickoff on ABC. So you talk about under the lights and Kinnick again, it'll be a huge opportunity for Iowa. Sean, it's a brutal stretch for Iowa, like you mentioned. I had to pick Iowa to lose a game just because I can't. It's so difficult for me to be like, hey, they're going to win all these games in a row against all these tough teams. So I went with all reliable. I think Wisconsin with Braylon Allen find a way to get it done in Kinnick Stadium. Wisconsin's lost a lot. I think Jim Leonard's still going to have a good defense. I'm worried about Wisconsin's offensive line just from a prove-it standpoint, but we know how they go. I don't think they have a lot of proven pass catchers, and I don't believe in Graham Mertz, but Braylon Allen is a sneaky Heisman pick. I had Wisconsin winning 17-16. to I... I just, again, all reliable. Wisconsin usually finds a way to out Iowa, Iowa. If it's at night in Kinnick Stadium, I think it could go a different way. And this is when you talk about a pure coin flip game to me, Sean, this is the most coin flip game to me on Iowa's schedule. It really is. Yeah, I think you copied me with the score. I know you copied me with the score because I had Iowa 17, Wisconsin 16. Um, and and I, see, I see the concerns for it. There's no doubt about it. I think Wisconsin, I think quarterback play is going to be mid, as they say. Um, I think it's going to be very not overwhelmingly good this year. I think, you know, there's there's a reason for it maybe to be better, but I think there's still some issues at tight end and potentially uh, the wide receiver positions as well. Maybe they have some guys emerge like Scholar Bell, Braylon Allen, I think is still going to be a stud. I think the offensive line will be able to step up. Defense should be good, but I don't know how great it's going to be. I think that match of Keanu Benson versus Logan Jones um, up the middle is going to be fascinating. But I think Iowa finds a way to squeak this out. I think home field advantage plays a really, really key part in this one. And I think Iowa, I think Brian Ferentz can get that can get that rare win against Jim Leonard. I think that is a very uh, potent. I think that's a very possible thing. And you know, I don't. I know a lot of people don't want to buy it until it happens, but. I was shown in the past that it could, it could beat Wisconsin or, you know, they can have success through the air. Now it's rare, but I think that 2020 game, I know Wisconsin was pretty depleted with injuries and that, that year was kind of a mess for them. But I mean, I was shown they can do it, but I think this is really going to be a game where they're going to prove it. And, you know, I think they find a way to squeak it out on a, uh, on a uh, field goal to end the game. I think it's interesting too, when you look at, that game, Sean, and I, I know for a fact Spencer Petrus wants to beat Wisconsin badly. Kayvon Merriweather wants to beat them badly. Like, there's prominent leaders on Iowa's team that really do want to play Wisconsin and beat Wisconsin because ultimately it typically decides the West. So, again, at that point, I have Iowa. We both have Iowa 8-2 and two in different ways. But then it goes at Minnesota, which is – I know Ryan Burns from our Minnesota site was not thrilled with me about my prediction about this. Uh, it seems like none of the Minnesota fans have really been fans of my predictions about this, but they usually end up being pretty close or, or even, you know, giving too much credit to Minnesota. At this point, it's the same logic I have, Sean. You know, when I say it's impossible for me to pick a team that has lost so many straight against another team, it, I'm just not going to do it until they prove it. This is the same scenario. I was one seven straight against Minnesota. I think Minnesota's got a good team. I think they're going to have a good offensive line. I think their defense will be good, and I think they have options at running back, especially if Mohamed Ibrahim can get back to you know who he was pre-Achilles injury, right? 
And of course, getting their old offensive coordinator back, which helped Tanner Morgan become a second team, all big 10 caliber quarterback. I think they have some options through the air and it's going to be senior day at Minnesota. I think that could play a factor. But again, I went with the fact that you talk about games that Iowa staff really want to win. They want to beat Minnesota. They, it's no secret, Sean. They don't like PJ Fleck and the feelings mutual. I have Iowa winning 27, 17. And again, it's more so, I just give so much credit to this Iowa defense. I, I, I think this Iowa defense could be the best in, in Kirk Ferentz history, maybe even the history of the university of Iowa. And it's crazy to think about they lose three of their key secondary contributors, but I mean, you and I both expect Cooper DeGene to be a stud. We expect Riley Moss to be, you know, who he is. I think Kayvon Merriweather is going to be their top linebacking core in the country in a defensive line that is just very, very experienced at this point. So I got Iowa 27-17 in this one. This is one where I had Iowa losing, and a lot of people ask me why. And I think you look at last year, Iowa almost lost that game. But I know Minnesota has different pieces back and various question marks. But I think this Minnesota team finds one. I think P.J. Fleck finally gets one against Iowa. Not going to say, you know, it's going to be – I could see it going either way, kind of like what you said with the Wisconsin game. But I think if Iowa had to lose one in Big Ten West play, I mean, Wisconsin's obviously the easy one. But – I think Minnesota is going to find a way to to get it. Um, but this – one of the really big reasons is just this stretch of games, man. It's going to be brutal. You never know what's yeah. going to happen with injuries. You never know what the morale is going to be like. Obviously, if you're an Iowa fan, you hope for this win, the winning ways to continue and you hope for optimism going into this game. But, man, this stretch is just brutal. And if it was at, like – Wisconsin, it would be even worse. But I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with uh, Minnesota here. Um, I mean, I know it was at Minnesota. I was just referring to the last game, but yeah, yeah. I just I just think this, this is just a feeling I got that Minnesota is gonna find a way to close it out. I think with Kirk Sharaka back for Tanner Morgan, that's gonna be huge. I know Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson aren't there anymore, but I think they'll figure it out in the passing game, and then having Mo Ibrahim back as well is going to be very important. And I think that's kind of what puts Minnesota over the top here, but just barely. Season finale, Iowa, Nebraska. Uh, you wrote it in your piece, and it was obviously on my mind too. Is Scott Frost even going to be the coach in Nebraska at this point? I think they let him finish out the year just from a respect standpoint of what he accomplished as a player. But his buyout goes down October 1st, Sean. Yeah. Uh, losing in Northwestern. If he loses in North Dakota – then, you know, he might not make it, of course. But I don't think it's going to be as close as recent games with Iowa-Nebraska. I think this is a game that Iowa is going to flat out – I don't want to say dominate, but Iowa is going by double digits in this one. I, I think Iowa physically is going to dominate them on the line of scrimmage. I think you look at uh, Nebraska's defensive line, they got worn down so quickly. They don't have a running quarterback like Adrian Martinez anymore. Iowa's offensive line is going to be very good against a Damian Daniels without Damian Daniels at Nebraska's starting nose tackle, who was a, who wrecked havoc on with all due respect, Tyler Linderbaum Daniels ain't no small human being. 
he really caused a lot of damage and all their sixth year guys are gone on defense. I saw a lot to be concerned about when it came to Nebraska's defense, watching that game against Northwestern. We'll see how their special teams is, but Sean, like I said, I, it's at Kinnick stadium. I, I think Iowa wins by two touchdowns. I really do. I had 34 20. Yeah, I have a, uh, a little closer than that. I think it's 30 24, but I think it's going to be one of those things where Nebraska is not going to want to uh, let up and, you know, it can make their season depending on what their record looks like if they beat Iowa. And I think that's going to be – I think it will be another close game. I think Nebraska could shoot itself in the foot again like it did last year and like it has so many times throughout the Scott Frost era. But, I mean, it could go – it would be interesting. I think it all kind of depends if Scott Frost is the is the head coach at Nebraska going into this game. That's That's my thing. I think that could really be a decider of it and to see, you know, how this kind of season goes because – if Scott Frost leaves and, you know, this North – or this if this North Dakota game goes south in the next couple of games, I mean, Oklahoma, like that's their week three game, right? I'm sorry, what was that? You cut off for a second. Is Oklahoma the uh, – Oklahoma's week three – or week four, sorry. So if they – they should beat George Southern. Who yep. knows what's going to happen <laughs> against North Dakota. I think they should beat that one. They should win that one, but – I mean, who really knows at this point? If I think it's going to be a decider of uh, if Scott Frost is the head coach. I mean, because who knows how this team is going to react if that's I don't even know what the motivation is going to be like if they're not playing for ball eligibility. What if they go into Iowa at four and seven? Yeah. The writing is on the wall. Frost is gone. I mean, so it'll be be interesting to follow Nebraska. I mean, at this point, I think their season's going off the rails. It, it just looks like the same pattern as far as the way the players and the coaches are handling the media and answering questions. But, you know, who knows? So, Sean, final record, I have Iowa 10-2. You got 9-3. Final thoughts just about the season in general. Again, for me, I just have Iowa's running game. I, I expect to take a big step forward. I think it's just going to be much more consistent. I don't want to really give a prediction on Petrus' stat line. I, I don't know. I think Iowa needs to prioritize running the football, giving the ball to tight ends, and making Arlen Bruce a focal point of this offense. I mean, he ran the ball 10 times last year. Three of the 10 went for touchdowns, Sean. I mean, this is a weapon that Iowa needs to continue to utilize. I think Iowa's defense is going to be phenomenal. I still got Torrey Taylor. I think when you have LeVar Woods as your special teams coordinator, you really don't have much to worry about. But it's just going to be a fun season to follow. and. I think that anything short of a – and I said this, you know, some people liked it. Some people were a little bit eh about it. But you returned 15 starters, and you won 10 games last year. You have a lot of skill position players back. Your offensive line is supposed to be better. Your defensive line is going to be better. Your linebacking core is the best you've ever had. You have a dominant secondary. Sean, just to be completely blunt, anything less than a Big Ten West title is a failure of the season, in my opinion. I think it should be expected. I don't disagree, and I think they I think they win the Big Ten West, but I could also see them being second, third, or, you know, however many nine and three teams, or, I mean, obviously conference play, six and three, or, you know, it, it, it all varies. There's so much mystery with the Big Ten West that I really – I mean, I could see it going Minnesota's way. I could see it going Wisconsin. I could see yep. it going Iowa. Yep. But, I mean, I just, I just really don't know, but – I think 9-3 is a safe bet for Iowa, and I agree with you. I think they get to the Big Ten Championship. That, that should be the expectation. That should be what 
the fans want, what the program wants, and I know it's what the program wants, but I think the fans should expect Big Ten West, especially after last year. Um, so I'll, I'll say they go nine and three, but I just don't know if I want to say they win the Big Ten championship. I, I got, I got, I got to see so. how the offense. I got to see how the offense goes. And that, yeah. that, that's at the end of the day, Sean. I mean, we've talked about it for months. It's just about how can Spencer Petrus and this offense take steps forward? Because if you have a, if they repeat last year's offensive production, Sean, they are winning six games this season. If that, yeah, it's that bad. Like they cannot afford to be the 121st ranked offense in the country again. And it's nuts to me because you look at the talent and the personnel. I mean, Sean, they got guys, they have very good football players. It's not a lack of talent. It's a lack of, protection on the offensive front it's a lack of playbook creativity and it's a lack of making the makeables solve half that and i think they take a big step forward so i'm with you i've gone back and forth on 10 2 9 3 i gave iowa the ban for the doubt because they always beat a team i think they shouldn't and they always lose to a team that they shouldn't lose to that's just typical iowa football and i think that's that's why i have them losing to minnesota honestly that's fair. I'm just sticking true to my formula, but Minnesota, I, win, I, I, hate, I hate to be a cop-out or a backtrack, but it would not surprise me if Minnesota found a way to win. There's a lot going in their favor hanging into that game if that team can stay healthy. So, again, Sean and I will have a podcast up on Thursday morning with South Coast State beat writer. Uh, be sure to tune in that. A lot of great stuff out of that interview, and you can get a full in-depth look at what the Jackrabbits have to work with this year. A lot of talent on that team. And again, talking to the players yesterday, Sean, they're pretty, they're fired up and they're focused on the day by day preparation because this is no pushover of a team. And uh, we're back. That's about all I can say. We are back. Yep. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 247. Be sure to stay tuned to hawkeyeinsider.com for the most in depth analysis and coverage of your Iowa Hawkeyes. And uh, yeah. Be sure to stay tuned this weekend. We're back.